Guys, I really don't intend to be up here very long. You can take that for what it's worth. Make your own decision if you want to sit down. Good morning. I uh, Friday was a week ago. I went to have a minor to have a minor procedure done. Doctors lie. It was only minor because he did it on me. And so it's been a, a week of slow recovery. That's where I was last Sunday was recovering from that. And uh, I didn't make a big deal out of it because it wasn't supposed to be a big deal. And then it became a bigger deal. But I'm on the mend now, so we're getting there. Uh, go ahead and turn to First John because I just want to follow up for I hope, I hope I can do this in just a few minutes. Last week we had, or the last time I was here and we shared, we had eternity laid out. You remember that? We had the pink string stretched all the way across the room to represent eternity. And you understand that that only represents the longevity of eternity. It doesn't cover the vastness and the wideness and, and all the endlessness of it. It just represented that here's this thread that runs through time that is eternal. And then I put a handkerchief on the string indicating that time began here. Uh, eternity, you know, is forever. Time is an allotted period. And so Scripture tells us there is an allotted period that we call time. There is a beginning. Revelations tells us there will be an end to this allotted period here. And we talked about how that, uh, what God's purpose in that was. And so I want to go back and I want to read 1 John. I tell you, 1 John starts before time and takes us through time. If you, if you can just see that there's a broader picture here, he says in verse 1, what was from the beginning, meaning there was something already here. At the beginning, whatever beginning there was, there was already something here. Time had a beginning, but eternity didn't have a beginning. So the beginning is where time was, where it started. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So he says there was, a, there was a life that existed before time. Human life came into existence in time. But there was a life that took place before time, and we call that eternal life. And that's what he says. I touched eternal life. He says... Uh, the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm writing these things to you 
so that our joy, not just my joy, your joy and my joy, that our joy may be complete, that we can experience this together and we both have joy in there. So I'm just going to paraphrase that. Here I believe what John is saying. He says, I I experienced something on earth that was already taking place in eternity. Okay? I I experienced something on earth. I had interaction with something on earth that was already taking place in eternity. That something was eternal life. The life in time is temporary. The life before that and after that is eternal. And he says Jesus came out of this eternal realm and moved into time to manifest, to reveal what was going on in eternity. That there was already something going on. There was a relationship there between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And he came to reveal what was taking place. There was a shared life being interconnected before time. And Jesus came and says he came to manifest that life and to reveal that life. And then he says, in revealing that, he invited us to participate in what was taking place in eternity. And I chose to agree with that and participate in that. I entered in to that eternal life that Jesus came and manifested to us, and I experienced that. I experienced that eternal life. He extended the invitation to me as he is extending the invitation to all of us. From the first breath Adam drew, there was an extended invitation to participate with God, to commune with God, to fellowship with God. God extended that. Just as Jesus did invite me, I am inviting you to participate in this fellowship. And if you choose to participate in that, Our joy will be made complete because you participated, I participated, we got to eat of the goodness of God and we got to touch eternal life and it's changed our life and we can have joy together because of what he's done. That's what John's saying. Before time, Jesus shared eternal life with the Father and he came to manifest that to us. All right, now then. This thing that he has invited us into, we call it the Christian life, God life, because we're participating with life that Christ is participating in. So we participate with him. Eternity is where God's idea of the Christian life came from. God's idea of having man participate with him in eternal life was God's idea, and it was God's idea before there ever was time. And it was in the form of a relationship. Jesus came and manifested that eternal life. 
But that eternal life can't be mine until I have a relationship with Jesus. And then he imparts eternal life to me. So he came. But this idea of what the Christian life was like was God's idea in eternity that he might have those who participated with him, and that's us. So eternity is where God's idea of the Christian life came from. Time is where man's idea of the Christian life came from. Man didn't get his idea of Christian life from eternity. He got his idea of the Christian life from time. Rules, regulation, laws, judgment, condemnation, all of that. Rituals, traditions, all of that. He got that in time. And that's where we have got, that's where we have the Christian religion. Wasn't God's idea. God's idea never was a religion. God's idea was always a relationship. As expressed in Jesus and Him manifesting it to us. To see the Christian life, to see the Christian life outside the religious realm that man has created is a real challenge. To see the Christian life outside of the realm of the Christian religion is a challenge for us because we live in a Western culture that was founded on a Christian religion and saturated in a Christian religion. And so to see that what God has in mind isn't founded or based on that, but it's based in a relationship is a real stretch for us. To see that outside of all of the religious influences that has shaped us and changed us. To see the Christian life outside the religious realm is to see it through the eyes of relationship. Completely free from religious influence. Even now, even right this minute, when our mind thinks about a relationship with God, it goes to religious exercises. What do we do in that exercise? How do we do that? How do we express that? It's just, it's just so difficult for us to free our minds from that and see that this is a relationship. It has nothing to do with new moons and sacrifices and holidays. It has nothing to do with that. Or ritual or ceremony. It has, has to do with a relationship that Jesus expressed to it. It's a relationship with a loving Father that loves the last Son with as much unconditional love as He loved the first Son. How can that be? Do you understand? Let me just say this. Do you understand that creation didn't add anything to God? Do you understand that the fall didn't take anything from God? The cross is not plan B. 
(laughs) It's a relationship with a loving father that loves the last son. I don't know who the last son is. Paul said, I'm the least son. I don't know who the last son is, but to know I'm somewhere between the first and the last, and that he loves me with the same unconditional love, that he he, he loves me flawed, broken, clay, dust, with the same love that he loves this first son who was perfect and complete and whole. That's the kind of relationship he's referring to. It's a relationship with a loving father who sent his first son to satisfy every demand of justice and remove completely every obstacle that kept man from experiencing the relationship that the father desired for him to have. He sent his first son, and his first son came, and he destroyed or removed every obstacle that kept fallen man from having that relationship with him. Satisfied the law, satisfied the commandments, broke the power of the old man, destroyed the enemy, put him out of business. He destroyed everything that kept man from being able to have that relationship with the Father that the Father wanted him to have. It's a relationship with the Father that is not founded on how well I can keep the rules, but on what the first son accomplished. What did he accomplish? Did he make me right with God? Yes. Did Jesus make me right with God? Yes. Then why do I think me getting mad can make me wrong with God? Well, he he only partly did it. Well, he needs to recant what he said in his last statement on the cross. What? It is finished finished he destroyed it all it's a relationship that functions out of experiencing the father's love for me which results in a heart of obedience when i experience the father's love for me firsthand when the love of the father is more than john 316 when the love of the father is something more than just what's written when the love of the Father for me is experienced by me, it results in a heart that wants to obey Him. Instead of living under the guilt and manipulation, which always results in shame and guilt or self-righteousness when we pretend that we're pulling it off. That's just a, a drop of the kind of relationship the father had in mind when he says, I'm going to send my son. He's going to make the way. And this is what he's going to make the way for, this kind of relationship. Same kind of relationship I had with him. I want to have with you. Now, that's not the only expression of relationship that God had in mind. And if I haven't 
<laughs> Confused you yet? Then you're probably about to get your knickers in a wad, all right? But that's not the only expression of relationship God had in mind. Here's why. God has always wanted more than one person to be his expression of glory. If that were the case, he'd have just sent Jesus, that's it, we're done. But he's always wanted more than one person. He has wanted a people, a corporate expression. He has never only wanted just a son, but he has wanted sons to be that expression. His heart has been for that people to live in relationship not only with him, but with one another. Now it gets sticky. It's easy to love God. He's going to forgive me when I offend him. He's going to love me regardless of what I do. He's going to act right all the time. It's easy to love God. It's these people. Make me want a gray hair. No hair. I had hair when I came here. It wasn't gray. His heart has been for the people to live in relationship with one another. Just as, what did that relationship look like? What does this relationship look like that he desires that we live in on earth? It looks like the relationship that existed in eternity between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. I didn't, he's saying, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not creating something new here. I'm inviting you into something that's already existed. Listen, God's idea of church existed before Acts. Say that again. God's idea of church existed before Acts 2. It existed in eternity. It has been lived out in eternity within the Godhead. There was a community of shared life. It wasn't based on everybody believing the same thing. It was based on them sharing eternal life. And they lived in that context. There existed a community of shared life before time. God's heart has been for a people to live on earth within that relationship of shared life, thereby expressing His glory. Tell you a little bit about this relationship, and this is where we're going for the next few weeks. Not all at once, but eventually. It is a relationship with other members of community. It is a relationship with other members that contain God's life. It is a relationship with other members who have this relationship with God. Okay? 
I am having a relationship. God's heart is I have a relationship with other members that looks like the relationship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have had in eternity. And their posture toward each other. Their attitude toward each other. Their love for one another. It is a relationship that exists with other members where the same value God places on sons and daughters, and God's got a high value of His sons and daughters. He thinks very highly of His sons and daughters. But it is a relationship with them that has the same value that God places on sons and daughters that I place on brothers and sisters. Yeah, but they're kind of strange. You know? I mean, have you, you've, been, you, you've seen Emily? I mean, she think, has more creative thoughts before noon than I have in a month. But the value that I place on her cannot be a value that I determine myself. Whether it's common interest, whether it, whatever it is, whether it's how she makes me feel. God says, I want your value for her to be the value I place on her as a daughter. not a relationship based on common belief but on a shared life eternal life God's life just as is expressed in the Godhead now you're either going to give some time meditating on this or you're going to say he's nuts I don't get what he's saying I'm telling you folks It's the key to understanding the kingdom of God, the heart of God, and the kingdom that he's placed on the earth. This is not some sweet by-and-by thing, can't wait to get there. This is the kingdom of God lived out on earth. And it starts, first of all, with my relationship with him and it being a relationship that doesn't exist or doesn't have the religious influence in it. And then it translates into my relationship to the body of Christ. Do I value these members because of what they can do for me? Or do I discount them because they don't do much for me? Do I discard them because we don't have the same political, ideological views? Or do I value them because God sent His Son to die for them? Do I value the relationship with Him? Am I a picture to them of what God's relationship is to me? And say that again. Am I a picture to them of what God's relationship is to me? What is His relationship to me? 
What is his relationship to me? He has forgiven me before I ever did anything to offend him. That's one of them. He has forgiven me. He's already forgiven me for anything I've ever done. Will do. He has forgiven me. Have I forgiven them for anything they're going to do to me? You say, I can't do that. Ted, that's the point. He nailed it. I can't do that. Only as I surrender to my relationship with him do I have the grace to extend that relationship to them. And it's a willingness to allow God to extricate the religion in my heart that keeps me from being able to love Him and to love them. It's a relationship that has been neglected. It's easy to love God. It's tough loving people. Tough loving people. Like my brother-in-law said, I love church. It's the people I can't stand. I want to tell you something. God likes them. And I need to like them too. You guys want to go on? Got something? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I meant to entertain questions. No. That's a whole other discussion. But you're going to have to trust me. Nothing thwarted God's plan. Nothing thwarted God's plan. Okay? And you'll just have to go to the Word and see. All right? God's plan all along was Jesus. Because listen... What you and I have in relationship with the Father, Adam didn't have. Even before the fall. I don't want to confuse you anymore than I did. Uh, John 14, and it says... Uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, are, are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Now, you know, we had lots of songs. Back, back when I grew up, the word was mansions. We wrote lots of songs about mansions. I got a mansion just over the hilltop. You know, all these different... It's not a, it's not a house. It's, it's, it's not a mansion. The word really, literally translates to dwelling places. Jesus told his disciples that before he was crucified. What he was really saying is, guys, I am being offered up as a sacrifice for you to forever erase your ability to not come to God. I'm saying that wrong, but I am putting in 
the plan. A, from the beginning, it's always been my plan to have a relationship with you. So here's a point that I think God showed me was the dwelling place is not a place for me to go. It was Christ's work to make it possible for the dwelling place to be here. We are the dwelling place. That's what Christ did for us. It's always been Him. It will always be Him. And everything we do from whenever to the rest of our eternity is about Him. It's just about Him. If you haven't met Him, good time. Because, as been said, He's not mad at you. He died for you. There's no hindrances except your own pride. <laughs>